<laughs> Season one, let's do it. Hey, beautiful humans, you're listening to the Human Experience Podcast, hosted by me, Kiara Marie. I'm a functional nutritional therapy practitioner and a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. I'm here to share my human experience, as well as have these raw and powerful conversations with leaders in the health and wellness space. The Human Experience Podcast began because I truly believe our souls are here to experience a wide range of emotions, make mistakes, own our past traumas that led us to make them, and face our deepest fears in order to grow. The Human Experience is a conversation about self-development, conscious awareness, normal human responses, and connecting mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. The Human Experience promises to deliver authenticity and diversity. The Human Experience community is a group of humans doing the work so they can live their lives to their fullest potential and are here to break intergenerational family patterns so that generations to come can too. At The Human Experience, we're diving deep. Thanks so much for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Do you want to be in optimal health by having better digestion, glowing skin, better sleep, and more energy? That's where I come in. I help women heal so they can own their bodies by having better digestion, cycles, and moods. My customized programs are for you if you have thyroid issues, gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, acne, or other chronic conditions, and if you're committed to making the food and lifestyle changes needed in order to reach your goals. If this sounds like you, shoot me an email to schedule your free discovery call at kiaramariewellness at gmail.com. Now back to the show. So, hey, for listening to another episode of The Human Experience. Um, today, I'm so excited to have another very special guest my friend Ashley Romero, um, and we'll dive into like how we know each other and where she's currently living um, and all that good stuff. She is actually about to give birth in June. Was it June? When's your due date? June 16th. Hey, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Um, but yeah, Ashley and I have known each other. I don't even know. Did you go to like Potomac Elementary? No, I didn't. I think that... Did you go to Riverbend? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then, yeah, that's probably where we cross paths. Yes. Yes. So it's been a while. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think we, I mean, we were, we would communicate, but it wasn't like anything strong and um, all through high school, it was kind of the same. We just kind of were just always kind to each other. And, and then I actually went to Austin because that's where she's currently living. I went to visit and she you know, gave recommendations and I got to see her and that was two years ago, something like that. Um, so that was awesome seeing her again. So really, I just want to share, you know, Ashley's background and, you know, how she's planning for birth and how she's been guiding herself. And I'm sure she's had, you know, other resources as well to help her throughout her pregnancy. And I know I have a, a large community of moms following me on social media and I have such a huge interest in it. Um, I don't know. It started like, I mean, to be a mom, <laughs> I know that sounds like, I don't want to say weird, but I've just always had this yearning desire to just 
be a mom. And I think it started to get a lot stronger, like three, four years ago. And I just started connecting, connecting with these moms on social media and then like through my health journey and everything and how kind of everything starts from birth um, has really, really caught my eye. And, you know, planning for birth starts a lot earlier than we actually think it does. So yeah, we're going to dive all into that. So I'll let Ashley take it away now. So I kind of, I just asked her before the show, how are you? Um, but, you know, I want to dive deeper into that, like how you are with everything that's going on in the world today. Um, so, yeah, like I said, that's a really interesting question these mm-hmm. days. And especially um, in my circumstance, being pregnant during the pandemic um, is very layered. It's a layered experience. And every day... Uh, is different not only because of the pandemic but because I've never experienced pregnancy before Mm -hmm. and so I've worked with kids for over 15 years and have always had high respect for parents because I know how much energy um, kids consume and require of you and how much presence and all of those things but um, I don't know I guess when I have met other pregnant women in the past it's always been so positive and they are excited and look glowing and seem fine and I've never had conversations of oh this shit's really hard (laughs) (laughs) like you are creating life and um, the demands are just as great as the task itself like it's a magical thing that's happening but it takes a large toll on your body Mm -hmm. and your you're just shifting in every single way, not only physically, but mentally. Yeah. And um, what an experience. So anyway, it's just, yeah, it's a whirlwind of an experience, especially with this new experience of the, of the virus yeah. and um, everything layered on top of it. It's not what um, I have been ever expecting one and two, no one's, no one's gone mm-hmm. through it. Um, so it's been nice to connect with other moms. Like I've been looking for resources and support and things to see how other moms are managing because not only are, are there other um, mental tolls, you know, that you take on being pregnant during the situation, but everything's Mm -hmm. changing the, um, the medical system, all of the procedures, what you're capable of. I mean, and you're, you know, hungry and, um, emotional on top of like a time when you need to ration your food Mm -hmm. and some of the most depressing news is on television all the time and things like that um so it's a lot but I am hanging in there and it's interesting life just kind of changed it up a bit so it's cool because I mean if you think about a couple of months ago when everything was the same I could just be still going to work, doing my thing, the same like monotonous thing. And it wasn't a bad thing. I wasn't not enjoying it. Um, And it's not like I'm finding or glorifying the current situation, but I'm just appreciating that. Wow. Life is totally bringing us back to the the present moment and making us realize that we are not in control. And that's kind of what pregnancy is Mm -hmm. also like it wakes you up to 
the fact that you are not in control of what's going on and things will unfold um, as nature intends for it mm-hmm. to unfold. So just surrendering, surrendering to yes. it all. And that, I feel like that goes for a lot of people and not just, you know, pregnant women, but yeah, oh, especially yes, during totally. this time. I love everything you just said. And, you know, I want to talk about your currently live current living situation in Austin. Um, so you're living with your hubby Juan, right? Mm-hmm. And so what's it like down there? I mean, what triggered the move? Um, cause I mean, obviously we knew each other in Virginia and then Ashley mm-hmm. now lives in Austin where I one day want to move to, I, I mean, guys, I can't begin to tell you how much I fell in love with that place when I visited and it just took just a few days for me to fall in love with it. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a gem. It's not as much of a secret as it used to be. And um, so it's, it's getting more populated every day, but for good reason, there's just so many outdoor um, activities like you can do. There are lots of rivers and springs to swim in, lots of hiking. The food is amazing. And the vibe is laid Mm -hmm. back. It's not Mm -hmm. as corporate and high strung and um, capitalist. And there's lots of love for the community, lots of participation in the community, lots of love for local businesses. And you believe that if you launch something, you'll have support from the people that you um, live around. It's a small city. So everything's only like a 20 minute Mm -hmm. drive and the traffic's Mm -hmm. not bad. Um, It was a lot cheaper than, you know, the, DC metro yeah. area and it still continues to be but I mean it's growing yeah. in price and you know everyone's discovering right. it but yeah we love it and it's a shame like I imagined one day when I was pregnant that I would get to swim oh, and no. um, just submerge myself in all of this nature and all the things that Austin has to offer but um, you know right now the circumstances have shifted a little bit and just trying to be patient and yeah just waiting for the day that we can go back and enjoy um, swimming in Lake Travis or on the green belt and go hiking and not have to worry about, you know, all of these things going on right now. But yeah, it's beautiful and I highly recommend it. But we ended up here because um, we were living in Argentina mm. and um, I had been studying there and then we stayed there a couple of more years and I realized I just had to pay my student loans and um, with the exchange rate, it was going to take me way longer if I stayed working there and tried to pay them off there. So my sister had moved here because of work and highly recommended it. And so um, I decided to take a trip, check it out and see if I would find um, a job. And we decided that if I found a job here, we would come and stay for a while, save money and mm-hmm. work and all those things. And if I didn't, I would go back to Buenos Aires where we were living. And I came and immediately found a job producing news. Um, so, yeah. And then we stayed. That's awesome. I love Austin. Did you at least get to enjoy, like, being outside, like, for the first part of your pregnancy? Oh, so that's, yeah, that first part of my pregnancy I try to shove oh. in the back of my brain and forget oh. about because – um the nausea was terrible and I was puking constantly so I didn't want to see the light oh my goodness oh man so it was like all day long it was hard it wasn't just the morning Um, it's not like just I would puke 
um like at and there was a kind of a schedule for some reason like at three in the morning seven in the morning (laughs) around like between two and or 12 and two and then seven at night and 10 p.m um and so I kind of knew when it was coming it was just so often though like and it wasn't just like you know at those times I puked once and I was done but um I was perfecting puking while driving (laughs) And because I still had to go to work and I'm like, I can't believe women are going through this and have been going through this for so long. And I just had no idea. And everyone is so strong because I felt like such a wuss for for complaining and for just agonizing over it. I'm like, this is terrible. Did it stop after Um, the first trimester? Okay. Yeah. So it finally stopped around month, like almost four yes thank goodness <laughs> and then after that it was all different kinds of things um transitioning within my body and it was still cold outside so I didn't get to swim but I definitely um tried to be outside as much as gotcha. possible what did you try doing for the nausea or like just just feeling terrible I'm sure you tried something mm-hmm. Um, yes. So I tried eating ginger, sucking Mm. on lemons. Um, at the end I was going to get prescribed something because it was just so terrible and I never ended up taking anything prescribed because I just tried not to. So, um, you can get something prescribed from your OB if it gets really, really bad. And for some people, that's like a godsend and it really helped them. Um, but by the time I actually got something prescribed, I was already coming up off of like the worst oh, part of it. Um, because when you're in the thick of it, you can't even fathom like trying <laughs> to make an appointment or do anything. I would just get home from work and sleep and sleep and sleep and sleep um, and sleep <laughs> and sleep. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And uh and eventually I would just chug water whenever I felt the nausea coming so that I could just mm. pee faster because if not yeah. I was I'm no, sorry no. this is super graphic but like <laughs> took a while to you just dry heave until you could get everything out and it's really hardcore. So my respect for pregnant yeah. women especially those going through um like I only went through that for the first trimester but some people all nine months are puking. Yeah, I heard that. And actually, my friend that, had that, and she yes. actually got that medication, and she took it for the rest of her pregnancy, and she was like, it did not oh. help. Oh, yeah. no. I feel for her. It's terrible, and I would be traumatized and never <laughs> have another child, probably. Yeah. Major props and respect to just women in general, and those especially mm-hmm. who want to um, experience pregnancy. <laughs> I... I know that'll that'll that day will come, <laughs> and I'll definitely um, yeah know what that feels like. Um, I think it's like also very empowering, even though it sucks, to know that so many women have gone through it and still go on with life, working, taking care of maybe the family they already have or doing their thing and not complaining about it so much. Cause I'm like, man, why is no one talking about this? Like I'm the only one bitching <laughs> about it. <laughs> and, and, and now I just look at women as like, so oh my God. empowering and so yeah. strong 
for for just continuing on and carrying on and just knowing that this is something that they kind of have to do to to get through it and and they do I was talking to my mom actually the other day about or it was like my birthday that just passed I was like mom 27 years ago you were in labor and she's like oh my gosh I know like don't remind me she was in labor for I feel like I know for your first, I feel like I'm not sure if that's true or not. I I don't know too much there, but you were in labor so much longer than you are with like the others to come. So she was in labor for like at least 20 hours. And she was like, um, I was like, what did it feel like? Did it just feel like really, really, really bad cramps? And she was like, oh my God, no, it's like something you've never felt before, but it's so beautiful. Like just experiencing this live human just getting ready to come into this world I mean I know (laughs) I'm not doing this I'm not saying all this like I hope this isn't scaring you or anything but I mean you know I'm already (laughs) terrified and we'll dive into like you know what you're preparing for and everything um but really I just want to get to know Ashley like what how would you describe yourself and you know what do you do I mean we know that you've been working with kids for 15 years so we know that kids are a huge passion of yours and I've talked to you I was like if I moved down to Austin I definitely want my kids to see you because it is a lot on the parents and I think I think the 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 difference in communication makes it much harder for us to understand our children um so let's let's talk about that and how you help parents Um, so I have been working with children at many different capacities over the past 15 years. Um, I started off just babysitting when Mm -hmm. I was like 12 and have always had a high emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. um, not only with kids, with people in general, but it made me especially equipped to work with children because it gave me lots of patience and, um, then I was uh, coaching soccer for kids. I was a camp counselor for kids. Um, I worked at like child centers and gyms. Um, I eventually was nannying and then I became a kid's yoga instructor, which I loved because it really gave me lots of tools to help kids with emotional processing, self-regulation, Um, intuition empowerment things that I was very passionate about and had been doing at some level on my own but not with a major focus on Mm -hmm. those things Um, and so um, most recently I've been teaching Spanish to kids Um, yeah so um, incorporating lots of different things from all of my experience Um, mostly uh, just being a good caregiver at any capacity, no matter whether it's teaching yoga or Spanish or nannying or whatever, giving and holding space for kids is really important to me because there are many people who are still deeply working on themselves. And I am for sure one of those people, but um, some people have kind of lost touch with their inner child and have not Mm. met those needs that they were never, um, that were never met for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, when they were younger and so it's hard for them to to communicate with children and understand where they're coming from and and know that it's more than just um, lots of energy and 
not knowing anything about life or something like that. Kids are going through their own experience and are really just tiny humans. And so if we get upset and frustrated with, you know, our own lives, imagine a child who's just getting pulled from place to place without being told, you know, what they're getting into, why they're doing a certain thing. They're just doing things constantly because they're being told to instead of understanding what their life is about and what's going on and why certain things happen. Like imagine all of these children right Mm. now being told, you know, they can't go outside and see their friends for, for weeks and they have to stay inside. And also parents try to limit screen time, but parents have to work Mm -hmm. and, you know, parents have a lot of stress on themselves. And I'm just have so much love for, for families right now who are going through something that's totally unprecedented and, and for the children who are, you know, um, not old enough to understand what exactly a pandemic or this virus means and, and having their lives totally shifted and stripped from the cathartic things that they used to be able to engage in, like going outside, playing with their friends, um, seeing other people at school and all those things and just being stuck at home. I mean, if it's hard for you know, for for me or for anyone. Yeah, exactly. And we understand the gravity of the situation. It's just, I have lots of compassion also for, for the kids who um, a lot of times have their opinions and voices invalidated um, because as adults, we're busy dealing with our own lives Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. And what a beautiful gift you have to have that level of emotional intelligence and to have that much patience with with children or just people in general I applaud you for that I was once a nanny and it it was hard it was my first time nannying and you know I've done babysitting gigs here and there but um nannying for me um and it was two two girls who were six months apart it was like a nanny share and such beautiful girls that taught me so much but you know one day they wouldn't nap and it it put such a strain on me because I was like I feel like I can't get the rest that I need and this it just gave me like Hmm. a huge respect for moms and thinking like they're doing it they're not just there for a shift they're doing it all day long you know Right. Exactly. 24-7. And it, it is the best job in the world, I feel like. Um, but I know, and it's also the hardest, right? Um, but you learn so much from children. And I think in order to be able to do that, we have to let them. And it, yeah, I just think that's amazing that you're able to do that on a regular basis. So what are you doing right now? Like with, cause you're not around them, right? Yeah, so right now I'm just still doing remote work for um, for the Spanish school that I work for and recording oh. yoga classes in Spanish yes. for them, um, for kids, yeah, so I'm doing that. And then my friends and I have also these um, amazing humans that I taught yoga, um, kids yoga with, and I decided to create a, a space online for parents and families and children um, where they can practice different kind of mindfulness activities. Um, It's all different kinds of things. Like I I did, and it's kind of like a kid's show 
where we do all those things that I mentioned before, teach self-regulation tactics without obviously the child knowing, like I'm not saying, okay, we're going to sit down and meditate. Um, just guiding them through short mm-hmm. moments of focus and concentration while entertaining them and, and giving them our, like, our full attention as well so that they feel engaged enough and entertained and interested enough to participate in whatever we're doing. And like I did an episode on like a Spanish scavenger hunt where um, I also incorporated like sign language and then there's yoga nidra journeys where um, we have them yeah close their eyes and and we play a journey in their mind like if it was a movie and um, just read books. Like we have different activities that we offer on our channel which is room to bloom and um and yeah hopefully that just gives parents at least like you know five minutes of something that they don't feel terrible um letting their kids watch or you know it's it's something that's productive showing them how to wake up their bodies using their breath or um doing mindful crafts and things like that so it's just a space to help the the community and and families all over during this time when if it was hard on parents before when they could take their kids outside and do activities and have play dates and burn that energy elsewhere um I just feel for everyone right now when those things aren't an option and back to what you said Mm -hmm. before um what I've realized after becoming pregnant I had still been working Mm -hmm. with children. Um, I had to stop nannying because when I was um, actually started getting sick, I realized that I wasn't um, as capable as I used to be to hold the quality of space for kids that I have always done in the past. Because I didn't feel good in my body. And if you don't feel good in your body, then you're, you know, if you don't fill your cup, then you don't have anything else to give anyone else. And, and that's when you start to take things out on kids. And that's when you start to um, have short patience and all of these things. And so it just shed light on the fact that one, I had no idea how good I felt in my body before, um, which is why I had so much energy and I could give kids back and then go home and rest and get up and and do it all over again Mm. without a problem because I didn't, you know, I wasn't puking um, and feeling so terrible and exhausted and navigating through other things. Um, And so it's really important for, for people to, if you're working with kids at any capacity to remember to take care of yourself. It's kind of like the airplane oxygen mask thing. Like put yours on mm. first before you try and help someone else because if not, you're gonna run out of breath and um, be scrambling and frustrated and and that that um, chaotic environment. Kids really pick up and sense when things are out of control and it um, ungrounds them and they kind of uh, jump on that moment to see what else they can destabilize or see how Mm -hmm. far it's going to go because they don't feel safe and they feel like everything is out of control and um and so that yeah is unsettling for for them as well that's such a good point taking care of yourself first and I feel like we we say that so often but 
for some reason, I feel like it doesn't hit home until there's like a catalyst of some sort, like just a moment that kind of just wakes you up or shakes you to your core. Like, wow, I really need to step back. And that might not be for everyone, but I know for me, that was, you know, the case. And that just makes so much sense. Like not feeling good in my body for me, I was really sick, like physically sick at the time. And that affected my mental and Mm -hmm. I didn't have the energy that I needed to. And I know I was trying and I was pushing and I was pushing myself like, cause I didn't have an option. Like I had to go to work and, um, that, that just makes so much sense. Yes. So it's super important for, yeah, not only parents, but caregivers to, even though it seems like a luxury to take care of yourself, um, it shouldn't be, it should be a priority because it's a domino effect. Um, and will it's like an investment in your life. Everything else will come out so much better if you're able to give it the quality of yourself and like the presence your your optimal like highest self to everything you do but if you are not even you know if your tank is empty then you're just it's almost worse than if you chose not to do it at all or it's it's like you're giving yourself or you're giving everything in your life um actually like mm, I want to say negative energy but um yeah just not your best self and it could affect other people negatively especially children whereas if you just take the time to do what you need to do and take care of yourself instead of being like this martyr and saying well I have to take care of everyone else first because they come before me and and I hear I hear where the intention is coming Mm -hmm. from because I I just can see remember lots of examples in my life of people who are really selfless and have good hearts but it actually ends up being mm-hmm, detrimental. Exactly. So any caregivers or, or care, you know, caretakers, caregivers, or any moms or, or dads um, out there who, you know, are, are feeling kind of out of control of, of any situation that's involving their children, um, kids that they're caring for, I encourage you guys to whatever it could be, if, it, if it's you and your emotional needs, like caring for your inner child, or if it's like a physical need in my case, which actually ended up being an inner child need, um, I encourage you guys to do whatever it takes um, to heal that. Um, for me, that was nutrition and getting outdoors and creating a safe space for myself where I can grow and thrive um, and creating those like daily self-care rituals that don't become mundane, but like you look forward to that. For me, I look forward to reading and meditating and stretching and just waking up with the breath, like you said, um, that just helps me and just sets the tone for the day. And those small promises to yourself I think make the biggest difference. So you do have that energy for the rest of the day. Um, And even if you need a small break for the rest of the day or in the middle of the day, um, doing those things instead, like whatever works for you. Um, So kind of segueing into that, you know, what, what do you do on a regular basis? Ashley, Ashley. Um, so regular basis before or after pandemic? <laughs> I guess before like what it would look because this is not going to be forever right um 
That's a great question. I don't think I hold myself to a specific schedule or or ritual. Um, but I am constantly, and I've just always mm-hmm. been this way. Um, oddly, like I live more on the inward gaze um, side of things rather than harping on like outside narratives which has made me believe that I am kind of like apathetic or um I don't know I just don't care about I don't put as much meaning into like societal structures as other people and don't care as much about them but then I've just realized especially after this pandemic that I haven't worried about those things because they're just concepts that only have power if you mm. give them power and 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 it's never been more clear than right now how everything has been dismantled and crumbling and how now we're all at home and many people are suffering because they believe that their contribution to like the capitalist um society is what gives them value whereas i've never really cared about that and many people have judged me for that like especially just my family like when i decided to not produce news mm. anymore and become a yoga teacher and um and for them that was just unthinkable and for me I would cry every day before my shifts and afterward because it was so soul depleting not only working like 12 hours a day in a dark room but reading about all the negative things mm. happening in the world and writing and editing video for those things um wasn't as important to me as my current state of being So I'm always paying attention to how I'm feeling and um, try to adjust to grow towards the opposite direction. If it's like not feeling good for me, I will not give it um, any more power because I used, I think I grew up with my voice being very invalidated and believing that especially like in a traditional uh, Latin American family, especially as a woman, um, I knew nothing and all the adults were right. And I just had to respect them because they were older. And no matter, you know, what they said or how they said it, you just had to respect that. And then so I, when I finally broke free of being, Uh, living with my family I decided that I was going to live life however I wanted to and whatever felt good for me because I didn't feel good for such a long time having to adhere to somebody else's model of of life that didn't never made sense to me so anyway um I think I really strayed past or beyond what (laughs) I do um but I think my point is um Mm-hmm. I just check in a lot and if I feel like I need a nap I will prioritize myself above many things which I have had the luxury right. to do because I don't right. have kids or I didn't and so it'll be interesting and very eye-opening to see how I can continue to take care of myself with um, you know, a new <laughs> little stalker 24-7 that needs lots of love and attention. And um, in the same token, it will it has opened my eyes already to how important it is to embody your authentic self. Um, and I've been working on not giving my power away to others already, because if I want 
my daughter to um, believe in herself, trust her intuition and do all of these things that I believe in. Like I really have to embody that for myself right now too. Um, And I have to do that in front of her. And so that's the only thing I focus on. I don't really focus on, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. Um, If I feel like I'm straying from feeling my best, then I will definitely, I know that I feel better when I do my mat practices, like a yoga Pilates infusion, I foam roll. I do always hydrate really well. I eat very well. Um, And I, you know, I have my, my altar and I I do guided meditations or different kinds of meditation, whatever your body is calling you to do in the moment is usually exactly what you need. Uh, I think that we have, like I said, I have been kind of trained growing up to believe that experts know better, other people know better than me. And then I've just grown to unlearn that and know that whatever my body's calling me to do um, or my intuition's calling me to do is probably exactly what I need, even if it doesn't make sense to anyone else. But yeah, I mean, I'm super passionate about nature and I go on walks and I love to swim and I love to be outside. And so there's no like prescription. Um, I just feel like whatever you feel you need, especially in the dark moments when it's hard to do those things, if you know that you would feel even a little bit better just like drag yourself to do it. Like sometimes there have been dark moments when I'm alone at mm. home because my husband's still going to work and um, the heaviness of of the virus and everything that's happening and the unknown and the, you know, um, lack of control gets to you and engulfs you. And then I couldn't get myself to go outside. And I'm like, I know I need some sun, but also <laughs> I just hate life right now. So either, you know... I was like, I can just sit here in the dark all day and, and take a nap, but I think I'll feel better. Like deep down, I know I'll feel better if I just even just lay in my backyard in the sun for 20 minutes. And so I kind of just trick myself like, okay, I'll get the mail <laughs> and just keep walking <laughs> and find a place to, to sit in the sun or lay down in the sun or or just keep walking and getting outside is super important for me because I'm also vitamin D deficient. So yes, all the need all the sun I can get. That is so inspiring, Ashley, like just checking in with yourself. And like you said, you um, had this idea that the experts like knew more than you did, but I think really our bodies know and our intuition knows more Mm -hmm. than maybe ego does and like um I think that's Mm -hmm. beautiful and that's inspired me to because I think for me I am such like a a routine type of person where I'm like okay I gotta get this not out of the way I do look forward to it but it's like okay it's it's structured for me you know what I'm saying but I think maybe that's ego like I don't know (gasps) I th- I think mm-hmm. that maybe there are different kinds of people. Like my little sister just had a baby oh, also, which is so funny because my, my dad has become a grandpa. Yeah. For the first time for two grandkids him. in one year. Um, and he, yes. And he 
was saying that she is very structured in what she does and, and she likes to keep count of the, the everything like the amount of times <laughs> you know the baby poops or the amount of diapers and every single thing she writes down and is organized yeah. about it and that is cathartic to her and I was like that's awesome like she's managing it so well mm. and she is so that kind of person I am just not that kind of person so I think what listen to your body don't listen to me even if it inspires you what I say take what serves you but also honor what serves yourself and has always worked for you that's so beautiful really quickly I know um earlier we were talking about room to bloom and I just wanted to ask just in case it is available but um do you have to be enrolled in that like down in Austin or is that available to anyone no so it's just an offering that we put out on youtube and instagram and you can find us on instagram at uh, room to bloom four is our instagram handle and i believe it's the same for youtube if not the link is in our bio on instagram but it's just a free channel where you can find activities for kids and um, ideas for families on how to help their kids emotionally um, self-regulate and um, do emotional processing and um, different mindful activities uh, to keep them not only busy so that you get a break if you need one without feeling uh, quote unquote guilty or something about you know giving them something to watch it's something um, supportive uh, but also allows them to introspect and begin gathering tools um, that will help them growing up. I mean, if I were given as many tools as I've learned that I could give children when I was younger, I think that I would have needed less recovery, less reparenting um, in the long run because I would have had the tools in real time rather than everyone believing I was not ready to, or maybe nobody had the tools themselves to give me, but lots of people like underestimate a child's capacity to um, navigate through hard moments. So they kind of overshadow them or say it's not a big deal or you're fine, which is super detrimental. And um, and then creates like this accumulation of small wounds, which then harbors into mm-hmm. a larger trauma, which doesn't mean it's like a super yes. traumatic, yeah. violent experience or something. But it does manifest in other ways once they're older that they'll have to debunk and spend time um, processing because it will lead to their later life script of how you handle situations um, in a way that's kind of not healthy. Like anything that you do that's unhealthy now, it's probably because you were Mm -hmm. taught to handle it that way when you were younger Um, and you just learn that pattern so anyway my point is it's it's just a place to give you tools um to help kids navigate through life and hopefully um find a space within them in Mm -hmm. that moment that feels good even when everything around is out of control I I just pulled you guys up on Instagram on my computer and it is so beautiful the YouTube link is in the bio so room to bloom for I think that would be excellent for parents who are, um, who have little ones and need something, um, 
to help them during this time. So I'll definitely like um, put that if you don't mind in like the, the episode notes. Um, of so course. That, um, yeah. Parents can find it and I'll share it like on my Instagram too. Um, that I think that's awesome. I didn't know about this. That's I'm like so in awe about it. That's awesome. Um, oh, good. Yeah. I hope that um, whoever yeah. needs it, yeah, finds it. it's that. out there for um, everyone. Okay, cool. So we're having such a good conversation, but I want to dive into you and Juan because you guys have such a beautiful partnership and, you know, I want to talk about you guys a little bit about, I remember it was like an Instagram post or something and you were holding up, it's like a poster, I think. Oh my God, please tell us about Mm. it because I love this so much. Um, Yeah, so that was um when I proposed um so Juan proposed one day in January of 2014 um when we were just at home with some really good friends in Argentina um and it was kind of a drunken (laughs) proposal so I never really knew if I should take it seriously or not. And I kind of let it go after that night. I said, yes. And we were, you know, we were both happy, but then afterward he kind of <laughs> kept talking about it. And so I was like, Oh wait, was that for real? And I didn't like feeling like, right. Was that it? Was that not it? And it was weird for me. And I also like, didn't want to start telling my family, yeah. Oh yeah, we were yeah. drunk. <laughs> and <he proposed." laughs> So I just felt weird about that story. And also coming from this Western culture, you know, with movies ingraining how a proposal should be and it should be this huge thing and whatever. I didn't feel bad about it, but I knew that I wanted to tell a better story and I wasn't going to hold that expectation upon him or be mad at him because he didn't do what I wanted and he didn't read Mm. my mind and know exactly, you know, what to do or something he did what he felt called to do and that's beautiful but so if I want something better I'm gonna plan it and I'm gonna do it um and I got in touch with one of his favorite local bands and um invited all of our friends to the concert and um made this poster that said will you marry me and so all of our friends, like his whole mm-hmm. soccer team, because he was the captain of the soccer team, and um, they were in charge of bringing the poster. And then I got up on stage after a certain song, and I was a bottle of wine in <laughs> right. just because I needed the courage. But Juan thought I was totally drunk. <laughs> Because I got up there and I was <laughs> calling his name to come up on stage. And he's like, oh, God, she's drunk. He's like, get down, get down. And I'm like, no, come up. And then finally, like, our friends were like, no, go up, go up. And so he goes up there with me and we're both up there and they start playing this song. And that's when our friends oh, hold oh up a poster God. and said, will you marry me? Um and it was really, really, really cool just to have everyone we love there, his favorite band, good music. Um, it was very surprising and, yeah, just something really awesome to look back on. And so I am a huge advocate of if you want something, you make it happen. There's no reason that you have to depend on somebody else to 
to do it for you or yeah, or have that expectation of someone else it's silly to I be mad at them so if they much. don't that's something. such a beautiful story and that was like how long ago okay, um that was perfect. in 2014 oh my gosh yeah, I love that. If you want something, you have the power to make it happen. And just like, even as simple as yeah. like reaching out to someone that you like and, you know, just waiting for them to text you, mm-hmm. that's, that's almost killing you and killing your soul inside. And I, that's something that I'm, I'm very proud to say, like, I will not like wait around for someone to text me. If I, if I want to hear from you or reach out to you or have something to say, like, I, I want to be the one to do that. And I think that's beautiful. I, I tell so many people that story of yours. I was like, my friend actually did that because I think it's Aww. amazing. And I think <laughs> a lot of people will find that inspiring too. Oh, well, I, yeah, I just uh, don't want to be mad at somebody yeah. else for not fulfilling a need that's in my exactly. brain that they Can't may not have mind. any idea exactly. about. So, but, so yeah. um, you guys have been together how long before the proposal? Um, so we um, started dating July of mm-hmm. 2013. And then I proposed May okay. of 2013, 2014. So we weren't, we weren't together for a really long time, but I knew I had to come back and finish a semester mm-hmm. here in the U S and then we would be back and forth. And after living together um, for like that year, I already kind of knew that we were just going to be together. And I was, but I needed to, to gauge also like if he felt the same way. And I yeah. knew he did, especially <laughs> after he proposed. Anyway, but I mean, it was just going to be honestly it was practical mm-hmm. to, to make that decision right. early on if we were going to be flying back and forth, yeah. spending $1,400 on flights, being long distance. Being mm-hmm. long distance is really hardcore. And we were long distance for um, another two years before we got married in 2016. Um, well, just back and forth, not like totally long distance, but I would come back and do some things right. and then go live there for a while and he would come. And, and so that's a lot of commitment right. if it's, if it's not serious. And I don't know, I think we just both felt that it was serious and it was, it was How time. You know? So we didn't like, need to wait what, that long. What, what were you thinking? What was going through your mind? Like, like, this is, this is the guy, this is the guy. From- you just- uh, that's such a, a good question. Um, I think as soon as I I met him, I was very inspired by him. He told me about his, he had just gotten back from like a backpacking trip where he backpacked from Buenos Aires, which is in, um, you know, Southern South America, Mm -hmm. all the way to Mm -hmm. Bogota in Colombia, which is in the Northern part of South America and told me about that trip. And I was so inspired. And then he's like, we should do a pack packing trip. And so we had lots of things in common, love to travel, love adventure, love nature. He taught me so much about um, philosophy and history and was very intelligent. And so I was fawning over Mm -hmm. him from the beginning. Um, And the fact that he, the fact, the, the one thing that I think really sold me was even before I don't know if we were engaged or not at this point because mm-hmm. we were long distance for such a long time. But um, being long distance puts lots of hurdles in a relationship 
especially if you come from a previous relationship where there's a lot of lack of trust or a lot of toxicity. And so imagine being in a, on a different continent and having to trust someone who in, in Latin America, it's very common to go out and go salsa dancing and dance with everyone. And, and it's not like a thing here where no one's allowed to dance with someone if they have a girlfriend or something over there. It's, it's normal to dance with your friends. Um, and so there were times when I'm like, okay, so, you know, checking up on him because I had my own insecurities because of past traumas in my relationship where there was mm-hmm. lots of lost trust. Um, and he just like didn't take my <laughs> shit. And um, so if I was like, why didn't you answer the phone? Mm-hmm. If he was with his friends or something. Um, at one point, he was just like, look, when I'm with oh, my yeah. friends, I'm going to be with my friends. And um, he wasn't bending over backwards for me and apologizing or, or didn't feel bad about holding his values and things like that or he wasn't like enabling me to keep carrying those thoughts. He was just like, this is who I am and how I do things. And you have to either trust me and know that I want to be in this with you, or we don't like, we don't have to continue if you don't want to, Mm. if it's going to be torture for us both. Um, And just laid it out like that for me. And so I knew it was a a wake up call to make a choice. Like he's right. I'm either going to trust him and we're going to do this both in a way that because we're gonna, yeah. both going to be excited and happy about it, but I'm not going to carry on something where I'm just driving us both crazy. Or So anyway, he just like didn't take my shit, and I loved that, and um, also had never proven to to need it, like never proved it, never proved like a need for me to to not trust him. It's just hard being on a different continent yeah. and being far and um anyway I think that was my biggest thing was that he helped me grow in so many different ways not only um by teaching me lots of things but um like uh, educationally but inwardly just mm-hmm. forced me to level up and and still does that's amazing and so. that's I feel like that's such a conscious like partnership you guys he held his own and you are your own soul and you guys are creating this beautiful thing together and that's that's mud I love that name I see yeah and that's another thing is that that's that's like why we work so well because I have learned from him you know stating his boundaries that's the thing is like we both have our boundaries and um respect them so it's like Mm -hmm. we have individual lives but love to be together and like hang out. But oh, yes, and then the, so there much. comes. Mud. So, how did you come up with her name? Um. So it came, and it sounds you know funny or cliche or whatever. But intuitively, I knew um, that I wanted that to be my child's name Ooh. in August, and I didn't oh know God. that I was pregnant till October. And yeah, in October I was five weeks pregnant um and this was 2019 um and so in August I was I don't know how I happened upon it I got (laughs) baby fever around that time when I was thinking about the name which is funny because I had like taken care of this baby and I don't know why I just fell in love with it and I think when you have that instinct yeah instinct like awaken in you 
then it's your body kind of being like, yep, you're ready or, or something. Because then I got pregnant quickly afterward, but, um, and not, not like we both decided, yeah, now's a great time to get pregnant because uh-huh. at the time we were living with my sister, we were uh-huh. trying to build a house on the land that we own. So was it like, um, land or was and it, it like, just, okay, if it happens, it happens kind of deal. Okay. Right. It's, if it happens, it happens, but we had never really taken any precautionary measures uh-huh. for like the past three years any more than when I got pregnant so it was almost like the intention yeah. of I want a baby kind of manifested mm. the baby it was really weird but anyway so I told him um you know if we have a, a a kid I love the name Mar not only because it flows super poetically with his last name his oh, last name is God. De Los Rios which is of the rivers and mar in Spanish is wow. ocean, so ocean of the rivers. Um, just really called to us because of our passion for nature, but also the ocean has always been mm-hmm. such like a healing mm-hmm. force in my life. Ooh, uh, Pisces moon, yeah. So <laughs> water, yeah, is where my intuition is on blast, um, where I feel really empowered, but also... Um, because of the the trust and respect that an ocean requires of you, like when you go in it, there's always mm. a fear. What's underneath? Or the strong waves, or etc. And you just have to respect its power and um, and its 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 like divine nature mm. that it's out of your control. So you have to navigate either with it or don't get in it. And um, and that's something I would love for my child to grow up um, knowing about themselves is that they don't have to bend to make other people comfortable. That if other people want to be in, in their life, then um, I want her to feel empowered enough to to live as authentically as possible and unapologetically okay. as possible. I love that. That's beautiful. And you said when you were talking to Juan about a name, you said you wanted to name your kid Mar. What if it was a boy? Would it be the same? I, I <laughs> thought it was going to be a boy. I originally, like, and when I wanted that name, it sounded like a boy name to me because in conversation, oh, you would right. say El Mar, so which right. is a masculine energy, El Mar. And then when I started telling my family, you know, that I was pregnant and, and the name and things um, and telling Juan's family, everyone was kind of like, isn't that a boy name? And we swore it was Why do you a boy think that? too. Um, and then it ended up being girl. I don't know. I think I just have worked with so many kids that I, I know that it's easy for boys to just like... <laughs> pee outside and and to clean them and and clothes are really you know a lot cheaper and it just seemed a lot easier honestly it's not like I preferred one or the other but um but I don't know I've always felt myself kind of like Mm. with a strong masculine energy and and I don't know um but and so we told our family about the name and they're like isn't that a, a boy name and I didn't know what to say because I didn't care. I didn't mm-hmm. want it to be like right. based on gender or anything. Um, I was like, maybe, <laughs> but I'm making it a girl name. Um, and then later, 
uh, as I was teaching Spanish and learning more songs and reading poetry and things like that, I realized in some cases people say la mar. And then I started doing research about why in some cases it's a feminine energy and some it's masculine. And it's because um, in poetry and in literature in Spanish, like poets and, um, and seamen refer to the ocean as a feminine energy and um, just in regular conversation, it's masculine, but all because in Latin it's neutral. So then you can pretty much decide, but either way. Yeah. I didn't care if it was a boy or a girl. I just love that name. And I love to already implement like Mm -hmm. gender neutrality from the beginning. So I'm so excited to see her. And I think she is just so, so and both of you and her are all lucky to have each other. Um, So I'm really excited for you. So what, um, as far as pregnancy goes and this being your first and everything, I'm, but you've also had like an older sister who's had kids and everything. So I'm sure like you you have so many resources, but what are some of your pregnancy do's and don'ts? Um, This kind of goes back to, what I what my right, like, uh, right. routine and rituals are because I guess I just don't hold myself to any conditions or something like that I mean I've always carried a healthy lifestyle which was important to me but during pregnancy I think my biggest um, do is to continue listening to myself hardcore because although mm-hmm. I practice that by myself now that I'm going through um, mm-hmm. something I've never gone through before, I could easily fall in the trap of asking everyone for their opinion, asking everyone um, how they feel about something, asking everyone if something's okay or not okay or what they thought, mm-hmm. because that's how I grew up. Um, and so my goal or my biggest do is just to listen to myself and know that Uh, No one's more of an expert, like we said earlier, in Mm -hmm. their body than themselves. And and it goes for me, too. No one's going to be more of an expert in my pregnancy and in my family than myself. So things that work for other people may not work for me. So I don't need to adjust just because other people think that, um, you know, uh, my way is is unorthodox or, or not the right way, or it didn't work for them or something like that, just to really hold true to myself and have confidence in myself and get Mm -hmm. over my imposter syndrome. Um, and my biggest don't on the same token is, yeah, don't give my power away to others. Um, especially when I think seeing doctors or just like talking to people that really care about you, they try to impose their own um, thoughts and um, ideas and beliefs on you because they care about you and want to see this, you know, carry out in a healthy uh, way. But, um, but yeah, I just need to trust myself in some moments. In some mm-hmm. cases, I do need to seek advice, whether it be from family or experts, and in some, and then. In other cases, just trust myself and, and know that um, whatever, you know, is calling to me or, or whatever I feel is best is probably best. That there's not one umbrella, 
just like there's not mm-hmm. one umbrella workout that works for everyone yeah um or diet uh there's not one umbrella recipe that works for everyone, which is why there has never been a written mm. manual for how to be a parent. So just to do my best and, and trust that I am doing my best and that um, no one can do it better that. for your own family and than you. I feel like a lot of people can hear, you know, listen to yourself, listen to yourself. But I, I know for some people it's hard for them to do that because they don't know how to navigate that or like be in themselves. So how do you begin trusting yourself and knowing that what your intuition versus like your ego? Hmm. That is a journey that began for me so long ago. Um, it's, it's not something that is mm-hmm. overnight. Um, for me personally, I went through an experience um, probably in, two, mm-hmm. I don't know, in college. So Mm-hmm. 2012 or so um where my intuition told me to not go to a place it told me to leave a place immediately and I didn't do so and it, um it was traumatizing uh like something happened that was really dangerous and violent and um and it traumatized me for mm-hmm. probably like years and so recovering from that I was just like man why didn't I listen to myself why didn't I listen to myself why didn't mm-hmm. I, I trusted other people too and I was like I think we should leave or I think we should right. do this or why is this happening and and everyone else they had a consensus that it was fine that I just didn't know you know I didn't know someone very well so whatever um, and I trusted them I was like, okay maybe I'm overreacting and when you don't listen to your intuition I mean um, that's my biggest lesson is that it could be mm, literally right. life or death. And, um, and so I think that's how I learned it was like the hard way. But um, ever since then, I've been really just practicing listening to myself. And it's a constant practice because uh, sometimes, you know, my sister will tell me certain things or try to instill her own fear from her own experiences, which were real and which were traumatizing to her. Um, she'll try to like project them onto me and I have to not take them on even though it'd be easy to say oh what if this happens to me or what if that happens to me like during my pregnancy Mm -hmm. if I don't heed her advice Um, but anyway um, but then a small example a small physical example is like I was craving like olives and fruit and pickles and really like citrusy sour things and it gave me heartburn and um, my sister would just be like oh just take some times take some times stop eating those citrusy things I'm like (laughs) I know but I'm craving them um I'm like it's so weird but and she's like but stop eating them and stop you know because you're making your heartburn worse and then I went to um, a chiropractor actually who um I guess I was just telling her about my pregnancy and and she said that when your body, um, oh, that heartburn actually is a result of your acidity levels being too low. So that when, so if you're craving fruit and citrus and things like that, you should actually eat more of them so that you can balance out something. And I am no Mm -hmm. medical expert and Mm -hmm. don't have any idea of what the terminology is. But the point is, 
if I would have just listened to my body when, yeah. when it said, you know, eat more oranges or eat more, you know, fruit and all those things instead of just taking Tums. Um, like she, my Cairo recommended drinking like a glass of grapefruit until the a grapefruit juice until the heartburn passed. And so things like that where people mean well by recommending, you know, oh, have Tums, but you need to listen to your body because it's asking for things not because it wants to kill itself. Oh, it's, yeah. Your body has a certain intelligence. Um, so anyway, it's, so it's it's very practical, but it's also a very spiritual thing to listen to yourself. Yeah. And it just takes practice. And it's not, yeah, it's not easy to do. So lots of grace and patience with yourself, um, but also lots of discernment uh, to know the difference between your intuition mm-hmm. and your, your fears. That. And that, like, like Ashley said, is just a daily practice and promise to yourself um, to keep listening to that inner voice of yours. Um, okay, moving on to your birth plan. I'm so excited to hear about this because I feel like you and I are in the same boat and I definitely will be reaching out to you and um, asking you when, when my time comes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, mm-hmm. I have always wanted a home birth. Um, before the pandemic, it seemed financially inaccessible here in Austin to get a midwife would be around okay. like $4,500 in comparison to going to a hospital when you have insurance, it, the birth okay. would cost around there. So for me, I was like, yes, Mm -hmm. I have this desire to birth at home, but financially speaking, it would make more sense to save money when we're about to have a baby. So a home birth is, I mean, a a hospital birth, I guess is fine and, and we'll be okay. And, and I found a practice that tries to respect uh, minimal intervention and things like that. So I was okay with it. Um, Mm -hmm. even though, you know, my dream was to be at home and then the pandemic happened and it's funny, but this, um, situation has kind of manifested many of my desires, like in my personal life, not globally. And I feel like I've been hearing that from people too. Like I have been asking for rest and distance (laughs) and, um, and a home birth. And I got those things because right now, lots of things in, um, in obviously hospitals are being uh, like audible, changed last minute. Everyone's trying to figure out what to do. The system's being overwhelmed. And for m- mothers in particular who have planned a hospital birth, in many places they are not allowing even your spouse to to be there to support you during labor or only allowing them to be there for delivery and then uh, for precautionary measures sometimes isolating the baby for two weeks um, after their birth Um, and in many parts around the world they're actually Mm. asking women to birth at home if possible um, because of the the risk of you know it's the epicenter of of the virus right where everyone right. goes exactly. when, yeah. when they need um help right so 
so anyway, this just kind of uh, manifested my my dream of a home birth because mm-hmm. it gave me kind of like a permission slip to to do it now. More of a reason made me feel um, even worse about being at a hospital, and I still cannot really. I mean, yeah, I just would not invest almost $5,000 in a midwife right now. My financial situation is worse, obviously, because mm-hmm. I'm working, working um, less hours. So I don't want right. to spend money when right. right now we need to be saving it um, whenever possible. Um, and so I was, I what was I doing? I guess I was a part of some support groups. And I don't know how I ended up in some <laughs> support group of women in Australia. But um Everyone was posting about the different options, about different midwives, and then someone posted about um, free birthing and unassisted births, about how women can just birth at home without anyone. And I started looking into that, started listening to podcasts by the Free Birth Society, um, started reading up on what it took to have a free birth, the complications. And then I took a a six hour class on free birthing. And so before the class, I was a little nervous and still was kind of like, well, I guess I'll just have to go to the hospital because I would hate to, to live with the consequences of uh, an unassisted birth. If anything should, anything should go wrong. Right. Like I just had lots of fear about it because because kind of my sister was like, are you crazy? Uh, what if you bleed out? What if you tear? What if mm-hmm. the baby's umbilical cord is wrapped around the neck? Like all these things. And I was like, oh, fuck. like I don't want to be responsible for – I need to protect my baby. So I'm just going to go to the hospital and um, navigate around whatever mm-hmm. might be happening in June in the hospital. But then I took this class, and it was so – empowering and made so much sense um and it just felt like it resonated more than anything to trust your mm-hmm. body and the same thing mm-hmm. that I've been saying this entire conversation mm-hmm. to trust yourself trust your body trust yes. that you were designed yes. to carry out this mechanism if you are um in good health and um have been taking care of yourself and have and I've been seeing an OB up until mm-hmm. recently, and I'll continue to see them, you know, until it's time, I guess, to give birth to make sure that my levels are still okay and that I would still be considered a good candidate for home birth. Um, because there are some people who do right. need more assistance and more tools because they carry high-risk mm-hmm. pregnancies, and that's something to honor as well. So everything is looking good on my end to just be at home and birth with Juan and hopefully oh my God, is ready to catch so the baby. Exciting! Are you guys gonna like um have any photos or any videos or anything like that like for yourselves? I I would yeah. love to capture that moment so I can look back and, and remember and right. or share or not share or whatever. But um, I don't know. I mean, since it's going to be just the two of us, yeah. I think Juan's going to be very focused on <laughs> oh, just like not fainting. Say <laughs> no, I'm not <laughs> fainting. Oh, no. He needs oh, to. No he, yeah, he gets really queasy. And um, 
So if that's my only concern. I'm not really worried about me. I know it's going to be like a uh-huh. lot of pain that I can't even imagine right now, but <laughs> I just need him to not faint. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah. I can't take care of him and catch the baby. And yeah. So anyway, we'll see. I, I hope. Yeah. Something like that. I think that'd be we'll so cool for you guys. And even for Mars but... to see maybe one day. That's amazing. I know exactly. That's another thing is that I feel like if, like I said earlier, if I want to empower yes. her to trust in her body, then I I should be able to trust in mine too, and um and I do. And if okay. I'm going to teach her that, then I just I love need that to embody so that. I'm that's so exciting. What an adventure! That's what I've been dreaming of. Like I, I mean, with my past partner, I told him because you know babies have just always been on my mind since like I, for as long as I can remember and I was like and with a part of like all the groups that I've been you know in and just hearing their stories and how empowering it is and like the pictures that I see and it's just how beautiful it is the accounts that I follow on Instagram and how yeah just how empowering it is and I I've just always thought you know home birth is the way to go for me and I know it's different for every mom or woman out there um but I think wow yeah just what a moment moments like to remember I think that's maybe so is it gonna be like in a bed or like are you gonna get like a baby pool or um I don't think we are going to get a pool I would love to have done it in a pool oh, but yeah, that's true under the circumstances yeah. I'm fine with just being um I don't know I'm not sure bathroom yeah probably not in our bed it's probably gonna be messy so just choosing the room that is most conducive and then you know set up my Mm -hmm. um diffuser like maybe some um binaural beats um you know my my crystals like everything that's conducive Mm -hmm to like a peaceful environment that's another thing is like I would never want to bring mud into the world in um to the epicenter of like stress and fear and and overwhelmingness like in the hospital it's I want her to feel safe from the moment that she enters into the world and um and yeah just to trust that our body knows what it's doing and um we can't make the process more perfect. And usually the complications that arise during labor are because people interrupt with interventions. And like you go into your primal brain so that you can tap into all Mm -hmm. your instincts and know what's going on and know what to do during labor. And when somebody asks you like a doctor or tells you sometimes they don't even ask tell you that you need an episiotomy like you need to cut they need to cut you so that you don't Mm. tear I mean imagine that's super disturbing and will definitely pull you out of the zone of what your body's trying to carry out and then the proper um pain relief and birth hormones don't get released in the right quantities um also just people watching you or like uh, measuring your dilation, all of those things disturb mm-hmm. the process or mm-hmm. coaching you to push. And even the position, um, right? Because I know some hospitals if, are if, like allowing women to right. get on their knees, um, 
which I know isn't always the case, if I'm understanding correctly. Is that right? Yeah, it's just so much easier for for doctors to be able to see what's going on when you're on your back with your legs up. But I mean, think of the gravity working Mm -hmm. against you at that point. And um, if they would allow you to carry out the labor and its natural timing and dim the lights, make it a less stressful environment for you, everything would unfold seamlessly. But because, Mm -hmm. I mean, hospitals are for-profit businesses Mm -hmm. and they're totally necessary in some cases, Mm -hmm. um, but they also have a schedule to keep and other patients to bring Mm -hmm. in and they need to get you out and all of those things in mind. So they coach you through the labor uh, in a way to carry out the process as fast as possible. And when you're not, you know, you have a fetal ejection reflex where your uterus kind of um, pulls off of the womb like a sock or something, and then your fetal ejection reflex kicks in so that your baby can come out, and um, you don't even have to push. So when you force your body to push the baby out is most Mm. of the time, like, why you tear. Um, And so if you just let yourself carry out the process as your body knows how to do, just like cats and you know, any other animal in the world, like no one helps them deliver babies because our bodies were designed to do it and we know how to do it. And if we just like let it do its thing, then it should unfold without any complications should your pregnancy not right. be considered so if a high-risk pregnancy. Um, were to go to a hospital and maybe for the moms out there who still want to go to the hospital, what are some things that you may have done differently? Um, I would really research, um, I guess all of the ways that hospitals normally intervene and make your decisions about what you're okay with and what you're not okay with. Many women are okay with, Mm -hmm. um, deciding last minute if they want an epidural or not, just having that birth plan ready, letting the doctors know, like, look, I'm going to try as long as I can. And if I can't, then I'll ask for that epidural. Um, I really don't want a C-section. So if, and it's like when you're in that limbic brain, you are not in Mm. a position, which is why doulas are so helpful. You're not in a position to make analytical decisions. Um, And getting pulled into making those decisions in real time, like going into your um, neocortex is what interrupts all of the, the proper hormones and things from from unfolding so it's like if you have to make those decisions on the spot that also could lead to complications during your pregnancy because you're not letting your body like do the proper things it needs to um, so just be have a plan ready before you're there and have a support person which under the circumstances right now mm, they're sometimes correct. not letting a support person in um, but just make sure you and your obstetrician mm-hmm. are on the same page about everything you want and um, everything you don't want. And, and yeah, unfortunately, sometimes doctors recommend a C-section just for liability reasons um, when it's not necessarily needed. Um, I think the World Health Organization recommends, like, there be between, like, a 15 and 25% cesarean rate and like in US hospitals 
it's wow. somewhere between like wow. 30 or ranges from like 35 to 65 percent and um so there's just it's many different factors that lead into all of the unnecessary unnecessary intervention but just and I know it's a hard time to do yeah. all this research it's not fair for like a woman to have to like kill herself over protecting herself in mm-hmm. a time when you should be taken care of but I, you know they have their own agenda and 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 we're tired and we're growing this being and and we don't want to be doing all this research or advocating for ourselves so um just talking to maybe someone who who does know like a, a midwife or a doula someone that has the same values as you um to help you come up with a good birth plan and, and stick to it as much as possible. Just know your rights because a lot of the time, like I was saying when I was younger, um, I was trained mm-hmm. to believe that I didn't know better, that everyone else knew better than me because of our lack yeah. of mm-hmm. medical knowledge. Um, we just are not uh, like malicely manipulated into situations in the hospital. Like doctors are doing, you know, what they know, but we are coerced into making decisions that maybe we wouldn't have yes, made otherwise. Exactly. If we had known better. The doctors are trained to do exactly what they do. They're not there to try to make it yeah. a terrible experience for you, but you do have to do your research and right. know what's right for you and your baby and your family. Um, yeah, so I love that you're doing that and I can't wait to hear all about it. (laughs) I'm really excited for you. (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm terrified, but I also feel really, really good about it. Nothing feels better. Yeah. Is he like, is he nervous? Oh yeah, he's, he's, he's really supportive of whatever I wanted always. Um, but we have our little emergency like home kit you can like order one online and it comes with um you know um sterile scalpel and um like to cut the cord and uh clamps and you know it comes with a ton of things like everything you need so that's also something for anyone that's looking to pull something off at home there's like lots of things out there to help assist and and you're not on your own and there's also tons of people talking yeah, about free birthing no or unassisted birth and sharing their stories on my own have you um does mod have a room mm-hmm. are you guys co-sleeping or what's going on there um so we have an extra room but uh i think she's still gonna be too little as a newborn to sleep in her room by herself mm-hmm. so right now juan is using it you know as his office until she's old enough to to sleep in her own room. So for now, we have like a co-sleeper, which is just like a little um, mini yeah. crib or bassinet thing that kind of goes next to your bed. Um, yeah, but we have been so lucky, especially with all the families that I have worked for in the past and know. And, um, and my sister, who has had a daughter, um, we've been gifted so many amazing hand-me-downs and kids grow out of things so fast that everything is still like new so we've been really taken care of especially during this time when like I can't really have a baby shower or um connect with people or yeah so oh just 
living this experience a little differently than than ever imagined but also super thankful to have everything that I need um okay well running we're we're running Mm -hmm. out of time but I just wanted to you know ask you a couple more questions um is there anything that you want to put out there into the universe for any other moms right now I know you've touched on it a lot but like just one last thing to leave moms with that are going through the same thing that you're going through um, right now. Yeah, I think that um, the biggest thing that we can take away um, birthing Mm -hmm. during COVID-19 is that everyone not just us as pregnant women like we're all being called to address any like preconceived notion of having absolute control over everything which is what we talked about before it's like a moment to surrender and have grace for yourself um and taking every day moment by moment um but for pregnant people especially like our baby souls have chosen to come earth side during this time of transition and uncertainty for a purpose um it's the best moment it's the best hope and light and medicine that we could ask for like what could make a person happier than to bring a new being um into this world during such a dark time it's very scary because we want to be protective of our babies but it's also a huge blessing um and to know that no one is doing it better (laughs) like you just listen to yourself do what you feel is best take it a day at a time and Mm -hmm. and that's the theme for i think everyone right now is to not judge themselves for um, the productivity or lack thereof or what they choose to do or how they choose to handle situations or feel guilty for what they're feeling or anything like that. Everyone just do the best they can um, because that's what we're all doing, just respecting doing what's best for ourselves. And if we respect that within ourselves, then we can Mm -hmm. learn to respect that within each other and know that everyone is is on the same path and then that's always going to lead to the highest and greatest good of all so yeah we are all in this together mm-hmm. everyone around the entire world so while it's very isolating you know maybe each of us in our own homes Mm-mm. we're not that's really so right alone we have this. each other and I encourage you know, moms who feel alone to reach out to other moms and, you know, have that reassurance that you're not alone. You're not alone in this. Um, what's one thing that you currently live by? And I'll leave the people with that. Um, this kind of goes with my whole unassisted mm-hmm. home birth decision is um considering that our desire to seek comfort and safety in measuring um let like uh in measuring 
the baby weight or the due date or dilation and all of those things and any kind of measurement for anyone but for for me in my pregnancy um seeking comfort and safety in precise measurements and neat guidelines only opens me up to more fear and sweeps me away from our innate understanding from having trust within myself that um my intuition and my body are higher intelligence. Um, uh, nature is a super intelligent force. Everything that's going on is unfolding the way it needs to and happening for a reason. So that's something I'm really holding on to, not only during my pregnancy, um, but in general, um, having faith that Everything is um, working out best case scenario. And um, yeah, just trusting in that divine plan, uh, especially during these times of chaos and uncertainty. But yeah, letting go of of having to control everything and knowing when this is going to end or knowing when mud is going to be born or knowing how it's going to unfold and knowing... um, many things especially outside of my pregnancy just surrendering that feeling of needing to know and once you surrender to that comes this liberation of like fear because you are just taking everything moment by moment and um and yeah I don't know I I'm still learning and going through it but it's it's it can mess with your head if you, I feel like if I don't take it that way, uh, wanting to control everything in, in, in such uncontrollable yeah. circumstances, whether it be pregnancy or the pandemic or just life in general, um, the illusion mm. of control will capsize you uh, because life will quickly um, remind you of how yes. little control exactly. you have. I think it, like you said, like during these times, that's when we should especially be trusting the universe or the divine timing as hard as it is because it's all working out the way it's supposed to. I think, and I talk about this in a previous episode, but there's a huge lesson to learn from all of this. And I think just being put on pause and relinquishing all control of our normal day-to-day it can be so hard especially if you're someone like me who who loves a routine and you know getting out and seeing the people that you love on a regular basis I know how hard it can be but mm-hmm. once you relinquish that control you just you surrender and you can just say to yourself okay you can let go now you can let go now and things will unfold for you. And if you let go of that fear, it's like, what else could make you feel more alive than just navigating with the present moment and, mm-hmm. and seeing what happens next? Because a lot of time when you have control and you have routine and all those things, are you feeling that yes. alive? Because there you go. you're there you go. just kind just of on autopilot. autopilot. And I, I talk about that too. I'm like, we're just waking up doing our normal thing for me you know I was working um in an office so sometimes you have to be there at a certain hour all the time and then you're just running out the door and just not even thinking about the food that you're eating and the smallest things like that and you know going back to 
the innate intelligence that our bodies have, like same with, I mean, just physical illness for me, it's what I can best relate it to. Cause that was my own personal experience. Like I was searching and searching for an answer and not trusting my body and knowing that it has its own innate intelligence and capability to heal on its own. And once I let go and also among many other things, like addressing my emotional traumas and everything, I was able to feel that relief and, and let go of that control. And just, I think one mantra that I, I tried to live by is like what feels good to me right now and obviously you know there comes a time where it's mm-hmm. like deciphering like you said earlier you know do I want to just stay in this dark room and just be here or like how will I feel if I go on a long walk or something so there comes mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah and sometimes you just have to trick yourself into it like I'm just going to go get the mail and just keep walking and keep walking. And, um, and just as like a disclaimer, this is everything Mm -hmm. that I've spoken of is just really true to me in my life. But as I said before, just listen to yourself. So whatever feels good for you truly and being brutally honest with yourself about what actually Mm. feels good and what you're feeding into because of fear and what you're, giving power to because it makes you feel more comfortable comfortable because it's safe um so just discerning mm-hmm. for yourself asking what yourself how you want to show up and, in this world and asking yourself am and, i yeah. coming from a place of fear or love and love for yourself more yeah exactly yeah and that looks different for everyone cool so. i had such an amazing time talking to you ashley your soul just radiates such a beautiful light and i'm so lucky to call you a friend and i am sending you lots of love and i think that you are going to rock this birth i'm so excited to hear about this and i think all the moms or parents or children will benefit from this episode so i'm so excited for it to drop um yeah yeah thank you for hosting it and uh yeah holding space for this conversation Mm -hmm. that maybe is not being had in many places so I hope it does reach anyone that it needs to and for everyone to just take what serves them and leave the rest but thank you so much for having me and um yes and keep having these powerful conversations that um yeah definitely that I will alright Ashley I will talk to you later and guys thanks so much for listening until next time bye thanks for listening guys to another episode of the human experience podcast I do always appreciate your love via Instagram DMs and now any ratings or reviews that you have to give my podcast. I would love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, And of course, feel free to share with friends and family so that others can hear my voice too. Until next time.